Hello and welcome to this episode. And as I was walking earlier today, I was, as well as listening to a podcast and walking mindfully, I was also taking in the the scenery as well and even the simple blades of grass or a tree. Sometimes we seek out the most beautiful scenery we can, but but in a sense, uh, beauty is all around us. It's okay to travel far and to go to certain exotic places, but you can even see the beauty in a blade of grass, and and that's all in the present, being present. And connecting to the presence of the form you see, whether it's a tree, animals, birds, connecting to the essence of that, and that's where the true beauty is. And there's no labelling, you don't call it beautiful or it's it's even beyond that it's just the the aliveness of it whether you know it's some grand view of mountains or lakes ocean or a leaf on a tree and this is observed when you're dealing with people as well you're you're dealing with their essence you're not looking for of course people is more complicated and we have there's more mental formations when it comes to dealing with people more mind activity and one of the biggest ones is when we look for another form another person's form to complete us and this touches upon the last chapters about relationships we look for and usually there's pain there when you're either seeking wanting a form to complete you or once that form comes along there may be a brief moment of oh okay I feel complete and then then there'll be pain again because if you're looking for a form to make you happy to make you complete then it's it's not a long-term possibility it starts with you and your essence and then forms can be enjoyed and honoured you're not needing the form, but you're honouring it, honouring the unfolding. If we uh, stick with relationships, if someone comes into your life, you are deeply rooted in your own essence, so you are complete in, your, in yourself, then you're also honouring the other person's form and their essence as well. But you're not depending on their essence to or their form to complete you so the um, thought I had while I was walking as well as taking in the scenery was about the primary purpose lots of external outer purposes came to my mind in regards to various things such as you know even for me the idea of a relationship or the idea of my health and 
and I realised in some ways how relatively important they were and what was ultimately important was being present and how that is the primary purpose of my life so I was you know, searching for external things okay I'm doing this I'm you know, recording this podcast I've, you know, it's a project I'm doing I'm writing this or doing that and, and then almost suddenly there was a gap there and I realised that oh, these are things that are only relatively you know not that important temporary things while in this form and soon doesn't matter how hard you're working externally on creative things or being a good person or touching other people's lives it's very temporary as soon as we leave this form then what happens afterwards what value do these have in regards to in regards to your own journey yes certain things can touch other people example me recording this maybe it helps some people maybe it doesn't maybe it reaches some people where people can connect to this maybe it doesn't but ultimately the ultimate purpose is your relationship with the present moment living and being in that place saying yes to the now all these pointers they're pointing towards a dimension, a space of being and that is the primary purpose of life I can certainly say that for me it may not feel that way at times of course the outer forms come into the mind and and scream of importance look at me, you must address this and that but when you take a step back from those things and you realise how relatively important they are in comparison to the practice, your practice of awakening your journey of awakening and it's not a journey through space and time not dependent on that it's simply being in the now and it's being using this place to play with form but you're coming from the primary purpose your deep inner I and that is what is manifesting and taking care of the external forms so if we stay with relationships it's not the mind searching for somebody that must have these qualities and this and that and there's a need for that person you know, I must find this per uh, person when I do find them then I can start this spirituality stuff we can do it together that's just a, that's just a mind giving you a thought to stay with it so you know once you find this person then you can start it when you find this person perhaps in your mind will come up with another thought you know once I get to know them better once we're, we've spent some time together then we can you know then this can happen And the mind's never satisfied as well. Mind, you know, may say once this person comes into my life, I'll be happy, I'll be okay. But I think you can 
look at that and realize that's not the case. Yes, there may be some temporary happiness. Sometimes they call it the honeymoon phase when you enter into a relationship and you're both trying to be the best versions of yourself and please the other person. There's all this happiness and joy, but but there's that last. Is there something that recedes or where you have to put in even more effort to, to keep up that that level of happiness where you have to almost construct it figure out ways to keep it going and that all stems from the need to keep that person happy to keep yourself happy and then there's the other dimension where there's a natural joy the natural joy of being where you don't have to figure things out manipulate and construct things and, and try to plan and it's all here in the now So that is what came to me as I was walking and it's something I've heard before from a spiritual teacher about the primary purpose of your life. You know, sometimes if you ask many people, no, name lots of different areas of their life, that's the most important external forms, relationships. But if it's without the knowing of who you are, then it's almost as if there's almost a shell of who you are that's doing these things. A, and shell being the mind, which is trying to almost artificially, artificially construct and create order for your world, but itself is chaos. And then there is the place of being where it's unchanging. It itself is the root of peace, where peace manifests joy and love love in the sense where it's not a needing love i need you to love me it's an emanation of love a vibration where that love is seen in others because it's the essence is seen in yourself then whatever form comes there you can love that form and it's not choosing i love this person but i don't love that person when you're connected to the, the deep I, the, the essence which you can call love as well, then you realize that oneness is in this person, it's in the leaf of a tree, an animal, and you'll be connecting to all of these, and there's no judgments or conditions made no hierarchy of love where you may love this person a bit more than that one. Yes, you may have a close connection with one person where you may feel the presence more deeply with one person than another. And that, that could be the person you end up being in a relationship with, but there isn't more love in, in in so many words than the other it may be seen more in one person but you're seeing it from that same essence that same place you're not seeing the image of who that person is and often in the mind is we love the person's image or constructed image of them of who they are So primary purpose 
And I also thought about the amount of energy we put into our external projects or things that may only be relatively important. All the stress and effort. But we also want to be liberated and at peace. But where is the effort or where is the the attention to do that? It... So I was thinking about the primary purpose and that, how it often gets neglected. You know, we want peace of mind and to be happy, but there is no attention, no work's not the right word, but no perhaps we can just stick with awareness and attention on the root of who we are and if if there is neglect then how can that be uncovered in us you know the name of this podcast is uncovering true being so if you are not uncovering it peace and joy and happiness it just remains as a thought in the head But nothing is done to experience true peace, true meaning permanent, unchanging. Okay, so perhaps we'll continue the power of now. And we left it at chapter 9, which is titled Beyond Happiness and Unhappiness There is Peace. And there's a title for this section The Higher Good, Beyond Good and Bad. And it starts with a question from the reader and Below that will be, again, the answer as well. And when there is another question in amongst a narrative, I will, I will try and uh, make that aware as well. So, and then I will go straight into the answer. So it's almost a, a conversation with the reader that Eckhart is having. Is there a difference between happiness and inner peace? Yes, happiness depends on conditions being perceived as positive. Inner peace does not. Question, is it not possible to attract only positive conditions into our life? If our attitude and our thinking are always positive, we would manifest only events and situations, wouldn't we? Do you only, do you truly know what is positive and what is negative? Do you have the total picture? This is the answer now. There have been many people for whom limitation, failure, loss, illness or pain in whatever form turned out to be their greatest teacher. It taught them to let go of false self-images and superficial ego-dictated goals and desires. It gave them depth, humility and compassion. It made them more real. Whenever anything negative happens to you, there is a deep lesson concealed within it, although you may not see it at the time. Even a brief illness or an accident can show you what is real and unreal in your life, what ultimately matters and what doesn't. Seen from a higher perspective, conditions are always positive. To be more precise, 
They are neither positive nor negative. They are as they are. And when you live in complete acceptance of what is, which is the only sane way to live, there is no good or bad in your life anymore. There is only a higher good, which includes the bad. Seen from the perspective of the mind, however, there is good, bad, like, dislike, love, hate. Hence, in the book of Genesis, it is said that Adam and Eve were no longer allowed to dwell in paradise when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Question. This sounds to me like denial and self-deception. When something dreadful happens to me or someone close to me, accident, illness, pain of some kind, or death, I can pretend that it isn't bad. But the fact remains that it is bad, so why deny it? This is the answer. You are not pretending anything. You are allowing it to be as it is. That's all. This allowing to be takes you beyond the mind with its resistance patterns that create the positive and negative polarities. It is an essential aspect of forgiveness. Forgiveness of the present is even more important than forgiveness of the past. If you forgive every moment, allow it to be as it is, then there will be no accumulation of resentment that needs to be forgiven at some later time. Remember that we are not talking about happiness here. For example, when a loved one has just died, or you feel your own death approaching, you cannot be happy. It is impossible, but you can be at peace. There may be sadness and tears, but provided that you have relinquished resistance underneath the sadness, you will feel a deep serenity, a stillness, a sacred presence. This is the emanation of being. This is inner peace, the good that has no opposite. Question. What if it is a situation that I can do something about? How can I allow it to be and change it at the same time? Answer. Do what you have to do. In the meantime, accept what is. Since mind and resistance are synonymous, acceptance immediately frees you from mind dominance and thus re reconnects you with being. As a result, the usual ego motivations for doing, fear, greed, control, defending or feeding the false sense of self will cease to operate. An intelligence much greater than the mind is now in charge and so a different quality of consciousness will flow into your doing. Accept whatever comes to you woven in the pattern of your destiny for what could be more aptly fit your needs. This was written 2,000 years ago by Marcus Aurelius, one of those exceedingly rare humans who possessed worldly power as well as wisdom. It seems that most people need to experience a great deal of suffering before they will relinquish resistance and accept, before they will forgive. forgive. As soon as they do, one of the greatest miracles happens, the awakening of being consciousness through what appears as evil, the transmutation of suffering into inner peace. The ultimate effect of all the evil and suffering in the world 
is that it will force humans into realizing who they are beyond the name and form. Thus, what we perceive as evil from our limited perspective is actually part of the higher good that has no opposite. This, however, does not become true for you except through forgiveness. Until that happens, evil has not been redeemed and therefore remains evil. Through forgiveness, which essentially means recognising the insubstantiality of the past and allowing the present moment to be as it is, the miracle of transformation happens not only within but also without. A silent space of intense presence arises both in you and around you. Whoever or whatever enters that field of consciousness will be affected by it, sometimes visibly and immediately, sometimes at deeper levels, with visible changes appearing at a later time. You dissolve discord, heal pain, dispel unconsciousness without doing anything, simply by being and holding that frequency of intense presence. And here we come upon the symbol that ends this section and also I believe it's to reflect on what is being read. And so Eckhart is talking about going beyond good and bad, beyond positive and negative. And this is found through forgiveness, which he mentions is a full acceptance of what is in this moment, a non-resistance of what is. And this is one of the hardest things to do often, especially when dealing with people, is accepting what is instead of reacting to what is, thinking about what is in this moment and then that starts the whole chain reaction of of accumulating resentment for example the pattern of it where somebody says something and then it brings up all of the other times these person have said it and all of the, those other times when you reacted, may may not reacted externally, but internally. You may have thought, you may have produced emotions. And Eckhart is saying, when you are present, you're not accumulating that negative or unhealthy emotions. And so we can even talk about the pain body you know, the pain body is all of these accumulations of reactions that have not been resolved. All of this almost constricted energy. It's a ball of, of constricted energy. And you can almost feel that when, when you are resisting. You can almost feel the tension and tightness within you. Versus when you are accepting what is, you may be in pain but there isn't that tightness, you're not resisting that. And you, you are not suffering as well. Suffering is the psychological suffering where you are commentating and a thought, th thoughts are going through your mind and one thought can produce a tremendous amount of suffering. A thought could be, I hate this person and just, you can only imagine the, the, um, the wave of emotion behind that versus just being completely present with this person. There may be pain there and 
even pain from the past of times when you weren't being present. And the pattern is happening again, but this time you are. And so the pain may be there, but you're not adding to it. Where later on, you you know, you'll bring up that pain and play it through your mind and create more pain or just simply recycle it through your system and then it stays with you, ready for the next time. And Eckhart says in what we just read, it seems that most people need to experience a great deal of suffering before they will relinquish resistance and accept. Because suffering is a great teacher. We are conditioned with our mind, so we, you know, when we are in these places, we, we do resist, we fight with our minds. Because that's how we've been trained, conditioned. If you look at, you know, being in our education system, maybe our parents or family, our friends. So as we grow up, it's not to say these people are wrong or haven't done, you know, they've, everyone around you is living up to their level of consciousness that they are. And that simply is. There's nobody at fault. But the result of that is having a conditioned, deeply conditioned mind and through suffering that is seen and there's almost an intuitive sense that okay, I don't want to suffer anymore or even if you're aware of this you may still need to suffer more until it's it fully becomes awakened inside of you and this isn't you know, wrong or right. You know, some people may suffer less, some people may suffer a lot to get to the point of acceptance. But that is just the uniqueness of of our past, of almost our lineage as well, of maybe perhaps a trauma of our parents and, you know, their parents. But we go back to the simplicity of the now. A simplicity that's beyond simple. That goes... That almost, you know, for me at least, often gets covered up very quickly by the mind. A simple thought can completely cover it up. And that's not to say its presence is not as strong as the mind, it's just that we are more identified with the mind. Our habitual pattern is so deep that it takes only a small thought to cover up the vastness of now. That's how conditioned the mind is. And it's thousands of years, hundreds, you know, so many years, I wouldn't even talk about numbers actually, just a huge amount of conditioning and this is not just your life but human conditioning there's incomprehensible amount of years of human conditioning where the mind's been slowly overused and then there's your pain body there's the collective pain body of perhaps those around you as well and of the country that you are in, that vibration that's there from what's from what's occurred. But yet sometimes we wonder why we aren't at peace, like as if we, sh you know, it only takes a snap of the fingers to think, okay, yes, we're in peace. Because to the mind, it, it has those expectations the mind wants everything to happen now, wants to achieve this now, already you've done this. And it has the same 
kind of shallowness in regards to being at peace that I should be at peace right now or I'm going to be at peace now and it just remains as a thought and then when that doesn't happen there's resistance (laughs) you're in the cycle of the mind there's resistance to that and then there's blame oh it's that person that's that's the reason why I'm not at peace right now it's because of that person or because of this not happening or that's not happening and it's a never-ending a never-ending dimension in the mind of of trying to be happy in quotation marks and this is talking about a place deeper beyond happy and unhappy pleasurable and unpleasurable there's a deeper place there perhaps we can just uh, for a minute or so just allow the silence to settle within us and just simply be for a minute or so and then we can continue for a bit longer afterwards. The next uh, section is titled The End of Your Life Drama and it starts with a question In that state of acceptance and inner peace even though you may not call it bad can anything still come into your life that would be called bad from a perspective of ordinary consciousness and this is the response most of the so-called bad things that happen in people's lives are due to unconsciousness they are self-created or rather ego created I sometimes refer to those things as drama When you are fully conscious, drama does not come into your life anymore. Let me remind you briefly how the ego operates and how it creates drama. Ego is the unobserved mind that runs your life when you are not present as the witnessing consciousness, the watcher. The ego perceives itself as a separate fragment in a hostile universe with no real inner connection to any other being, surrounded by other egos which it either sees as a potential threat or which it will attempt to use for its own ends. The basic ego patterns are designed to combat its own deep-seated fear and sense of lack. They are resistance, control, power, greed, defence, attack. Some of the ego's strategies are extremely clever, yet they never truly solve any of its problems, simply because the ego itself is the problem. When egos come together, whether in personal relationships or in organisations, or institutions, 
bad things happen, sooner or later. Drama of one kind or another, in the form of conflict, problems, power struggles, emotional or physical violence and so on. This includes collective evils such as war, genocide and exploitation, all due to massed unconsciousness. Furthermore, many types of illness are caused by the ego's continuous resistance, which creates restrictions and blockages in the flow of energy through the body. When you reconnect with being and are no longer run by your mind, you cease to create those things. You do not create or participate in drama anymore. Whenever two or more egos come together, drama of one kind or another ensues. But even if you live totally alone, you still create your own drama. When you feel sorry for yourself, that's drama. When you feel guilty or anxious, that's drama. When you let the past or future obscure the present, you are creating time, psychological time, the stuff out of which drama is made. Whenever you are not honouring the present moment by allowing it to be, you are creating drama. Most people are in love with their particular life drama. Their story is their identity. Their ego runs their life. They have their whole sense of self invested in it. Even their usually unsuccessful search for an answer, a solution or for healing becomes part of it. What they fear and resist most is the end of their drama. As long as they are their mind, what they fear and resist most is their own awakening. When you live in complete acceptance of what is, that is the end of all drama in your life. Nobody can even have an argument with you, no matter how hard he or she tries. You cannot have an argument with a fully conscious person. An argument implies identification with your mind and a mental position as well as resistance and reaction to the other person's position. The result is that the polar opposites become mutually energised. These are the mechanics of unconsciousness. You can still make your point clearly and firmly, but there will be no reactive force behind it, no defence or attack. So it won't turn into drama. When you are fully conscious, you cease to be in conflict. No one who is at one with himself can even conceive of conflict, states A Course in Miracles. This refers not only to conflict with other people, but more fundamentally to conflict within you, within, which ceases when there is no longer any clash between the demands and expectations of your mind and what is. And there's a title for this section. It's called Impermanence and the Cycles of Life. And the answer is continuing from the previous question. It's just giving a title for what Eckhart is talking about now. However, as long as you are in the physical dimension and linked to the collective human psyche, physical pain, although rare, is still possible. This is not to be confused with suffering, with mental emotional pain. All suffering is ego created and is due to resistance. Also, as long as you are in this dimension, you are still subject to its cyclical nature and to the law of impermanence of all things 
but you no longer perceive this as bad. It just is. Through allowing the isness of all things, a deeper dimension underneath the play of opposites reveals itself to you as an abiding presence, an unchanging deep stillness, an uncaused joy beyond good and bad. This is the joy of being, the peace of God. On the level of form there is birth and death, creation and destruction, growth and dissolution of seemingly separate forms. This is reflected everywhere in the life cycle of a star or a planet, a physical body, a tree, a flower, in the rise and fall of nations, political systems, civilizations, and in the inevitable cycle of gain and loss in the life of an individual. There are cycles of success when things come to you and thrive, and cycles of failure when they wither or disintegrate, and you have to let them go in order to make room for new things to arise or for transformation to happen. If you cling and resist at that point, it means you are refusing to go with the flow of life and you will suffer. It is not true that the up cycle is good and the down cycle is bad, except in the mind's judgment Growth is usually considered positive, but nothing can grow forever. If growth of whatever kind were to go on and on, it would eventually become monstrous and destructive. Dissolution is needed for new growth to happen. One cannot exist without the other. The down cycle is absolutely essential for spiritual realization. You must have failed deeply on some level or experienced some deep loss or pain to be drawn to the spiritual dimension. Or perhaps your very success became empty and meaningless and so turned out to be failure. Failure lies concealed in every success and success in every failure. In this world, which is a say on the level of form, everybody fails sooner or later. Of course, every achievement eventually comes to naught. All forms are impermanent. You can still be active and enjoy manifesting and creating new forms and circumstances, but you won't be identified with them. You do not need, you do not need them to give you a sense of self. They are not your life, only your life situation. Your physical energy is also subject to cycles. It cannot always be at a peak. There will be times of low as well as high energy. There will be periods when you are highly active and creative, but there may also be times when everything seems stagnant, when it seems that you are not getting anywhere, not achieving anything. A cycle can last for anything from a few hours to a few years. There are large cycles and small cycles within these large ones. Many illnesses are created through fighting against cycles of low energy, which are vital for regeneration. The compulsion to do and the tendency to derive your sense of self-worth and identity from external factors such as achievement is an inevitable illusion as long as you are identified with the mind. This makes it hard or impossible for you to accept the low cycles and allow them to be. Thus, the intelligence of the organism may take over as a self-protective measure 
and create an illness in order to force you to stop so that the necessary regeneration can take place. The cyclical nature of the universe is closely linked with the impermanence of all things and situations. The Buddha made this a central part of his teaching. All conditions are highly unstable and in, a, and in constant flux, or as he put it, impermanence is a characteristic of every condition, every situation you will ever encounter in your life. It will change, disappear or no longer satisfy you. Impermanence is also central to Jesus' teaching. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. As long as a condition is judged as good by your mind, whether it be a relationship, a possession, a social role, a place or your physical body, the mind attaches to it and identifies with it. It makes you happy, makes you feel good about yourself and it may become part of who you are or think you are. But nothing lasts in this dimension where moth and rust consume. Either it ends or it changes, or it may undergo a polarity shift. The same condition that was good yesterday or last year has suddenly or gradually turned into bad. The same condition that made you happy then makes you unhappy. The prosperity of today becomes the empty consumerism of tomorrow. The happy wedding and honeymoon become the unhappy divorce or the unhappy coexistence. Or a condition disappears so its absence makes you unhappy. When a condition or situation that the mind has attached to it has attached itself to and identified with changes or disappears, the mind cannot accept it. It will cling to the disappearing condition and resist the change. It is almost as if a limb were being torn off your body. We sometimes hear of people who have lost all their money or whose reputations have been ruined committing suicide. Those are the extreme cases. Others, whenever a major loss of one kind or another occurs, just become deeply unhappy or make themselves ill. They cannot distinguish between their life and their life situation. I recently read about a famous actress who died in her 80s. As her beauty started to fade and became ravaged by old age, she grew desperately unhappy and became a recluse. She too had identified with a condition, her external appearance. First, the condition gave her a happy sense of self, then an unhappy one. If she had been able to connect with the formless and timeless life within, she could have watched and allowed the fading of her external form from a place of serenity and peace. Moreover, her external form would have become increasingly transparent to the light shining through from her ageless true nature, so her beauty would not really have faded but simply become transformed into spiritual beauty. However, nobody told her this, that this is possible. The most essential kind of knowledge is not yet widely accessible. And here we've reached another pause and reflect symbol and it feels like I've read a few pages there so it may be a good point to stop and reflect.
so here Eckhart is talking about the impermanence and the cycles of life and he uses the examples of you know the universe the stars and then the examples of nature flowers trees you know our physical bodies they go through various cycles of you know high energy or vitality and then Perhaps there's times when that is not felt. And then ultimately the withering away, the dissolution of forms. And even the impermanence of you know, the things we do, success or a relationship, you know, if we're, f if we're fully identified with the mind, you know, we mentioned this a bit earlier, you're dealing with the impermanence, the constant changing of forms, but the mind, it wants to keep things as they are. If it's a happy relationship, it wants to hold on to the happiness there. And when it's slipping away, there's a resistance to it, there's a a fighting back with the mind. But you're almost going against the nature of what is, the nature of the cycles of life. And it's not to say that every relationship the love is going to fade, but only it will only happen in the mind, when you're identified with the mind when the foundation of the relationship in this example a relationship the foundation of that is the impermanent mind the changing mind then that's when you'll be subject to those cycles and to suffering to the resistance of the natural changes that happen instead of accepting what is And in the acceptance of what is, you are in the unchanging serenity, witnessing the change on the surface. And he used the example of physical appearance, which is a huge subject in this day and age. If you look at, you know, social media and how bodies should be, especially for women, you know, in this day and age, the way the people are dressed perhaps dressed in a certain way to to get validation to get attention because that's what they are identified with and they're almost maintaining that happiness but sooner or later that's going to change you know the impermanence of form and and if you're identified with that, then it's going to be extremely painful. There's going to be a lot of suffering there. And and this obviously invites the subject of polarity, the good and bad. You know, yesterday I looked really good, and today I, not so good. You know, or you may look at pictures from ten years ago and think. God, look how you know great and youthful and beautiful I looked then and look at me now huh. there's that there's that element of polarity that only exists in the in the ego state But Eckhart talks about the the pain of this, of the changing conditions, you know, from being rich to suddenly having no money, or to being rich and successful but feeling empty, it's meaningless, or, you know, the conditions of a marriage changing from a happy wedding and honeymoon that becomes that unhappy divorce. But he as well as you know suffering can occur this is also the 
the regeneration, the growth, where you can discover the spiritual dimension. You know, he mentions here it's very rare for to to discover or uncover the spiritual dimension without the suffering, the pain, the loss. And just to quote one of the lines here as well, as long as a condition is judged as good by your mind, whether it be a relationship, a possession, a social role, a place or your physical body, the mind attaches to it and identifies with it. And again, it's being in that impermanence where you don't want things to change but they inevitably do change or they disappear and then there is pain from the emptiness of that and so Eckhart is saying you know there is the place where you can step out of impermanence and just simply observe and watch it And he says here that you can still be active and enjoy manifesting and creating new forms and circumstances, but you won't be identified with them. And he says you do not need them to give you a sense of self. They are not your life, only your life situation. And you can even compare this to you know, the start of this episode, the primary purpose is your life and life occurs in the now and everything else is the life situation relationships, your career your physical health and body but the life is in the now and when I mention physical health it's the labels you have for your physical health that I'm, I'm in good shape or I'm this, I'm that but the true physical health is in the now. And, you know, even the example of the woman who lost her beauty because of her because of her aging body, her opinion of her beauty changed to you know, to not being beautiful anymore. But there was a spiritual beauty underneath all of that. And Eckhart says, you know, she didn't see that it didn't and I wasn't able to come through and shine through her physical form it was simply just the the impermanence being identified with the impermanence of her physical appearance and so perhaps we can look at ourselves and think you know what impermanence are we identified with and and for me it would certainly be physical appearance. I have various things I'm not happy with and I'm identified with that. So that's something I can I can address and perhaps use that to deepen. You know, each time you see that you're unhappy with or you with an impermanent form, an impermanent situation for your life, you can perhaps use that to deepen into the permanence. So me, with my physical appearance, I can obviously detail different things I'm unhappy with and go into that commentary and labels and thinking that produces emotions, or I can simply look deeper into the physical appearance and be aware of the spiritual beauty that radiates from that and that's not from a place of ego it's not to say that you have to be enlightened to see your spiritual beauty but if you are present it's there you know you can even look in the mirror 
and just in in the present state you can feel that within you and you can perhaps see that in your outer form as well okay so I think it's a good time to end this episode it's uh, I think we've just gone over an hour so maybe it's the one of the, the longer episodes I've done but I hope it's uh, I hope it's some of the pointers mentioned has been helpful and I invite you to you know to re-listen to certain sections that you may want to re-listen to and replay and because sometimes I know a lot's been read in this uh, when I'm doing the reading and um, for myself I will try and also just have my attention on what is being read because sometimes I can the attention can be on reading clearly and sometimes you know it can provide a bit of a barrier for actually absorbing what is being read um, so perhaps that's something I can I can do myself to to balance that as well to perhaps absorb more of the content that's being read as you are as a listener and okay so thank you for joining me for today's episode I wish you well in this present moment that we share that is and I will speak to you again very soon take care